Welcome to the SDR Disco Call podcast, a podcast designed for brand new sales development reps in the world of software as a service. Every Tuesday, we're going to be bringing you a new guest who's still in the role to share how or why they've gone into sales development, what have they learned in their SDR career and journey to date, and what three pieces of information would they like to share back to new and existing reps to help them become happy sellers. Every show is transcribed, recorded with links from the guests, which are available at happyselling.io forward slash podcast. I'm going to be your host, Neil Buyan, and I look forward to taking you into the world of sales development through the SDR Disco Call podcast. So with that in mind, let's begin. Hi there, guys, and I want to welcome you to the first ever video SDR Disco Call podcast. Um, this is something new that we're trying out, and I've got a willing volunteer here from Spain. Uh, I'd love to introduce you to Hernan. Hernan is an SDR that I reached out to on LinkedIn as I found out he was working with my former AE, a guy called Brendan Morsh that you may have heard quite a few times on this show. Um, and I just wanted to kind of investigate, find out who Hernan is. But Hernan, for the people that can't see you, but other than and the people that can see you, could you please introduce yourself? Like, who are you currently? Where are you at? And kind of what are you doing in the world of sales development? Of course, Neil. Uh, first, thank you so much for having me here. It's super exciting to be in the disco call sessions and be able to connect with all the SDRs that are watching this right now. I'm Hernan. I'm working as a sales development representative in Miracle. In Miracle, basically what we do is we help enterprise companies evolve their e-commerce into a marketplace. So that means that we're a SaaS platform that allows third-party vendors to sell directly into their website. The e-commerce itself can offer a broad range of products without logistic or stock costs. So right now I'm in Barcelona working for the Spanish team and I've, I'm feeling pretty well at the company and doing the sales development representative work. You know how it works. <laughs> <laughs> we do indeed. Thank you so much for the introduction, Hernan. And how long have you kind of like been at this role at Miracle, just for the guys that are uh, watching and listening in? Yeah, uh, I've been doing this role at Miracle for the past three months. So I would say this quarter. I've been previously an SDR, SDR manager. We, we will comment on that, Neil. <laughs> along the call. Uh, but yeah, short time, three months. Perfect. So you're fresh through the doors. Um, this is uh, a new role for you, but the world is something that you're familiar with, you've kind of done before as well. And we'll, we'll be happy to dive into that. And also, I think it'd be really good uh, to give some context. So I think I posted uh, not too long ago on LinkedIn, um, an SDR topic, and it was liked by what, a former colleague, uh, Alexandra, who works at Bluebirds. And that's kind of where I started doing my investigation to figure out, okay, who is Harnan? Because she actually tagged you. I think it was the hashtag SDRs of LinkedIn post. And that's kind of where I captured your name. Um, and as I've got my notes here, so I was looking at your LinkedIn profile. You're somebody that's had experience within digital marketing. Uh, you've worked at Bluebirds as an SDR uh, and then as an SDR manager. Um, you've, like you said, you've been at Miracle for the last three months. But Hernan, like, what is the story from kind of, you know, starting at digital marketing to kind of where you are today? How did that come about? Well, it's a pretty long story, Neil. Pretty exciting one also. <laughs> so it all started some 
it all started like three years ago when I finished the university. I finished my degree. I actually studied translation and interpreting. So bad news is that when I was finishing my degree, I discovered that I didn't want to be neither a translator or an interpreter. So bad news for me. <laughs> I decided <laughs> I, I didn't know a lot about, you know, the the business world or anything. Uh, I found out that what I liked was teaching. I thought it could be a cool opportunity for me. And I went straight to teaching. I did my master's degree that for working in Spanish teacher is mandatory. But when I started to do my internship and, and all the courses and getting to the real practice of being a teacher, I liked, kind of liked being a teacher, but I didn't like the, the educational system. You know, here in Spain, there's a lot of bureaucracy. There's a lot of there's a lot of stuff going on with the educational <laughs> system as well as other countries, you know, and uh, I respect that, you know, and I'm really okay with that. But I didn't want to spend my life working to the public sector, you know, uh, working 20 years, 30 years in the same position. Uh, I'm more of an ambitious person. I'm a person who likes to, to go above and beyond and being stuck into teaching that that wasn't the thing that I, that I wanted for me. So there I was in the crossroads, you know, well, I didn't quite like teaching. I wanted more, but I didn't know anything about anything. So, so I was kind of stuck. And my girlfriend actually was studying digital marketing and she was doing her master's in digital marketing. And I discovered that uh, I was helping her, you know, with everything that I could. I started reading and I was like, whoa, this looks cool, you know? Mm. And then I started learning about, you know, search engine marketing, search engine optimization. And I was like, dude, I can do so much stuff with a computer, you know? Uh, I can help businesses grow so much. And I found it super interesting. I also learned more about the business world, you know, about how enterprises are born, about how the processes are like. And I also took a liking into the sales world, into the commercial world, you know? Mm. So I was in the meantime working as a digital marketer, you know, trying to learn everything there is. I took a kind of an internship, like a junior role in a digital agency. But at the same time, I was diving deep into sales forums about sales videos. I was looking at Reddit. I was looking as all newbies do, the videos of Grant Cardone, you know, selling stuff. I was getting yeah. pumped up, hyped up, uh, but I I didn't know if that if I could be able to you know be in a sales role because here in Spain we have like a stigma, kind of a negative stigma, like salespeople are that sleazy salespeople that are always lying or they must be super with a lot a lot of people skills, always super yeah. going, and and I don't know I'm not that kind of person so I had a doubt yeah I would like to do that but. I, I will. I better stick with marketing because, because you know that that's where that that that's where people who don't have people skills should be. Yeah. That that was my my way of thinking. Again, I didn't know anything about the business world. That point of view is completely wrong. But I was young and naive. That's what I what I used to think. So I was doing digital marketing, as I told you, Neil. And the fact that. Uh, I didn't like about marketing is that it was becoming a little bit boring. So what I was doing was creating content, creating blog posts, creating email marketing campaigns, 
uh, then generating leads, passing those leads to a salesperson, and though this salesperson would you know do the cycle and prospect them, and I was like, dude, this is cool, but I'm generating the lead, and then I'm off. Mm. I cannot interact with the person. Uh, I cannot convince the person you know to meet with us and and what the product is about. It was a little bland, and and I didn't like that. I wanted more action and wanted more passion. So hmm. the key point in that story, I know it's been super long. <laughs> Sorry for boring you guys. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> the key Not boring point, at all. The key point of this is when when my girlfriend told me that uh, we could do better with our life, you know, and we should maybe move to another place hmm. uh, to you know grow our professional careers. And I was looking at job postings and things like that. And and I was like, okay, let's do it. You know, I always wanted to do sales. Uh, the sales community encouraged me because I read and I learned that a salespeople doesn't really need to have people skills. Of course, it's better if you have them, but, but there's a lot of factors and a lot of things that influence your career. Not only that, so... I cross-checked. I said, okay, I want to do this, this, and this. I informed myself about the sales development role, looked online, yeah. and I said, okay, I'm gonna, I want to do it. I'm going to go for it. So I started blasting SDR job postings, and finally, I I got uh, an offer from a marvelous startup called Bluebirds. I took mm-hmm. it, and that's where the journey started. Nice, nice. And there were so many key pieces in that. So as you say, like you originally doing the translation piece mm-hmm. um, and that's what you're learning to perhaps you like to teach people and educate people, but you kind of didn't really see that as the career path that you want to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then with your partner, you're introduced to this world of digital marketing. So you're doing things like you said, like campaigns, lead gen, um, and you're creating all this content and then you're having to hand over all this hard work over to this salesperson. And then you're kind of thinking like, I'm, I feel like I'm missing out. Right. Exactly. Um, and then you said, obviously, like you're doing a bit of due, due diligence, you're doing a bit of research, you come across like sales communities, like on Reddit. I just wanted to pause on that bit. Like, how did you come across Reddit and what did it mean to you? Like, when you're reading all these things like Grant Cardone, like all the sales world and, you know, always be closing, et cetera. Like, what was that sort of feeling like when you were like researching into that? Uh, I think that the first thought that came to my mind is I want to be like those guys. You know, mm. yeah. <laughs> I want to I do this. Uh, actually, I started with those, with those ABC, the always be closing the videos. And then I, I had the opportunity of going into Reddit and that community, the sales subreddit is super cool because you get real salespeople, real sales professionals giving their opinion. And actually, I thought that, you know, seeing those pumped up videos that, salesperson should be you know always going in always Mm. like but no learning from other professionals and learning from their actual sales experience gave me a lot of insight and what really motivated me to go further is that salespeople are there to listen and help you know and they are not there to push anything and of course you learn this when you work but uh what really caught my eyes i want to help people you know i want to help my business grow while making a win-win situation for my prospect and for for the company, I love that. That's 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 honourable as well because I think a lot of the time we like same way with me with sales. When I got into it, I saw these sort of sales type movies. I didn't actually watch them until later in life, 
actually till I got into sales. So I wasn't privy to like boiler room, you know, like the old school classics that some people talk about. But it's that piece of <clears throat> working in informal life. I, I wanted to help people. So I used to do like benefits, state welfare assessments. And it was always with the hope to help people, but also help our local authority grow in terms of how we can reach out to the community. Um, and similar to the SDR piece and like within sales development, I think sometimes we always have this mindset of, right, we need to book a meeting. We need to bring in this prospect. We need to do this because we want to close a deal. And we're always looking at that outcome versus the outcome of having a conversation with somebody, understanding why, where they need help in their life or with their business, and then offering them something which you know kind of ticks their boxes. And that's kind of where the sales will take place later on. But it's always about you know having that initial want to help people, having that consultative nature that I see a lot of success come for people that go into sales. The other side of the coin is Haranan, that is some people just want to come in because they want to close, they want to generate money, they want to get commission. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. Uh, but everybody gets into it for their own needs and wants. So my question kind of back to you would be, is like, what is it about sales that really interests you? So like you're seeing all these people doing these moves, having all these conversations in Reddit, commenting, saying this is how sales process. What is it that made you fall in love with it? It's a tough answer. There's a lot of factors that made me fell in love with sales. What I, where I really think it caught my eye, you know, is that uh, the first one would be the fact that you're the flagship of the flagship of the company. You know, you're the one who's making things happen. And if the company earns revenue, it's because of salespeople. And that's not a brag. That's, that's something that's happened. You know, <laughs> it, it's the, the nature of having a sales team in your organization. And I I found that idea super sexy. You know, the fact that with my own work, I would be able to help the company grow and grow myself as a professional. Mm. The second one would be the fact of uh, controlling your own work. So the fact that. Uh, Sales, you know, and don't take this like literally, but sales is perhaps the work where this rule is more or less more true. That the more you work, the more you earn, you know, and the more you put on the table, the more you will be able to to pick up later. Mm. Uh, the more time you invest, <laughs> you know, the more results you get. And that. It goes straight with the third one that is, of course, money. Uh, the earning potential is super high in sales. And why not? I was also looking for, for a job that that if I worked a lot and I performed super well, I could earn also a lot of money. So that That's would be my, the, three, <laughs> the three key points of what made me fall in love with sales. I love it. Thank you, Arna. And it's like you said, like, it's like having... A direct impact in terms of the company's growth. Um, obviously, there is that earning potential as well, um, and because that you're able to measure kind of like what you've put in and what's the output, and that could either be through career progression, monetary value, or like kind of seeing the company grow. And I, I can really definitely relate to that. Um, and a man that taught me a lot of that stuff was somebody that you'll be working with, with his Brendan and his team. They kind of helped me understand that as well. Um, so like kind of coming back, like, so you're with the partner, um, and you're thinking, okay, we could do much more with our life. Um, you start applying for other jobs, like you're, you're mailing them out and then you come across bluebirds where you're given the opportunity to kind of be an SDR for a bit. 
uh, and then go on into something else. What was that experience like joining Bluebird into a tech SaaS sort of company, being the SDR for a while, and then the next step? Oh, it was amazing. It was amazing because it's like a new world that opens up in front of you. Uh, actually, for me, it was double because it was a new city. I just moved from my hometown, that is Palma de Mallorca, to Barcelona. Mm-hmm. And I started a new city, new job. At first, I was super scared. You know, I was doing the onboarding. And I had uh, two guys that, that were like total pros. Uh, uh, Jamie and Bob, if, if you're listening to it, big shout out. <laughs> you're, the, you're big bosses, man. And... And the fact is that I was pretty scared, you know, and I started to have like insecurities, like, oh, dude, what have I done? And I'm going to be mm-hmm. able to do this, you know, uh, I was super scared, but the, everything disappeared when I put all those fears away. I picked up the phone, made my first call. It was horrible. It was super horrible. <laughs> I think all the first calls are horrible. So it's like a funny anecdote. Yeah. Uh, uh, but then the second one was a little bit better. And the third one was better. The fourth one, I got a meeting and then everything started to, you know, get better and better and better. Everything mm-hmm. started to click, you know. I think that it's important for the SDR to put into practice everything good that you learn and see if it works for you or not. Mm-hmm. I was always trying to improve when I was not working and I was not resting. That is also important. I was listening to podcasts. I was reading books. I was always trying to get better and better. So on in on the first month I made 180% of quarter because I was in ramp up so the the quarter wasn't half but also new SDRs uh, take advantage of this is <laughs> 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 the easier month to, to yeah. make a lot of quarter in general I I attained 120% uh, it was pretty good we nice. we we because it was a small startup we also got a crazy times, you know, when uh, we finished the market because we didn't do a good sizing of the market. We had to go to the Nordic. So I was talking in another language. And then we're, we were going to other type of companies. We were changing and pivoting a lot, but it's also fun because, you know, if you're in a small startup, starting in a small startup, you're going to get a lot of actions super quick, super fast, but also a lot of changes. Mm-hmm. If you're working at corporate in a bigger company, you're going to get more security and stability, maybe even more formal training, training, but less surprises, less action, less quick paced movement. Uh, and yeah, Neil, after that, uh, after I made, uh, I was like six, seven months, I can remember right now, but I was promoted to being an SDR manager. And then I... I was able to manage a team of five people, five wonderful SDRs. Love it. That's a journey and a half, dude. And I think, uh, again, some interesting points there. So like when you're joining with Bluebirds, like you said, it's a new city, it's a new experience, it's a new way of life in terms of sales. Um, And then you see the two guys that you've given a shout out, they've got experience under their belt. It's a little intimidating. Um, And then where you're saying like, uh, when it comes to the intimidation piece, I think a lot of SDRs can relate to this when they're the new guy or girl coming into an organization um, and they kind of feel out of depth. What advice would you give them for like in the first like week or two of like trying trying to get comfortable? What would you, what advice would you give them? For me, I think that the key aspect that helped me on that is that 
you have to look what your partners are doing, but not in a negative way, not in a way that, okay, no, they're doing this stuff. I won't be able to make that. No, those are negative thinkings, negative thoughts. Get, get them out of the way. Look what they are doing, what makes them be successful, and see how can you applicate that to your work. Hmm. So instead of uh, making a competition between you and your partners, make it a healthy competition and learn from them because th- that is going to be super important for you in the long run. And always try to improve yourself. You know, you cannot control if that person is going to take the meeting, if that person is going to react well to your cold call. But there are two things that you can control that are the number of activities that are that you are doing and the way that you're doing it, you know? Mm. Uh, The first one and the second one correlate between each other because the more you learn, uh, the better you will be, and the more you put it into practice, the better SDR you will become. So these are all things that you can control. As you see, Neil, I haven't talked about external factors or, I don't know, pray that everything is well, you know, because those are external factors and you cannot control that. I think that mm. the only way that you can be happy and confident with yourself are by pulling levers that you can control. And I swear that I'm the most uh, nervous, shy, uh, anxious person. But if you work in becoming the better version of yourself, you will do perfectly fine. There will be nothing to worry about. Some solid advice, dude. I think that's the thing, like where we say it's not about being better than everybody else, it's being better than what you, who you were yesterday, exactly. and just striving for that improvement. Which then goes on to the point of where you were saying that, um, okay, so you're quite nervous to like pick up that phone, like kind of do the pitch. Um, you get on the calls, like the first one, it's horrendous. Like all of our first calls or first couple, like, I think my first 10 or 20 were horrible <laughs> if I can remember them. Uh, but then like something clicks, like you just keep going for it and you try and figure out what works, what doesn't work. What were the things that didn't really work? And then you, it kind of clicked to think, okay, that's how I should be doing it. What, what, do you remember any of those moments? Oh yes, of course. At first I was a total pitcher. I was pitching too much talking too much about my product. Uh, I was writing emails that weren't relevant at all. So what I found out is what I found out, I found out this really slowly by reading a lot and talking with other partners, with other SDR partners, uh, that the calls should be about the prospect, not about you. So I started making calls that were, my first calls were like, I call, I throw a super long pitch and it's like, hey, want to go to a meeting or something? Horrendous. <laughs> and then I slowly <laughs> I slowly found out that the best way was to keep things short, simple, and make everything about, about them, you know? So, for example, a uh, uh, thing that I saw in my coworkers is that they were pitching too much about the company and making super long calls. What I did was to only talk about them only talk about inspiration, you know? So we were, for example, talking about sales development software. So even if the other person didn't have a pain, I would be like, hey, you know, there's a better way to do things. And once Hmm. they're interested, okay, cut short, let's go to a meeting and let's find out, you know? So uh, keep it short and simple. Yeah. 
And of course, I also worked in my emails. I were the first ones that I did were too long, uh, too pitchy, too salesy. I started to use a method that uh, that is super targeted emails. So I don't do a lot of emails, but I do them super targeted, specific to the personal agendas and the persona and the mm. role. And you may think I've seen some some sales leaders say, okay, but that takes too much of a time. Not actually, and I recommend investing some time in it because, I mean, once you get the hang out of it, you can just copy paste like some templates that you have in your head, edit some yeah. lines, and in two minutes, three minutes, you can have an email. So I recommend investing time into thinking about how doing things mm. uh, because then you will be faster doing them. And also a, a really big a mistake that I made, Neil, was uh, outside of these tactics, time management. You know, mm. I used to spend too much time thinking about calls and thinking about emails. And at first, it's a solid advice because, of course, you, you need to know how to do it before you do it. But you need to become agile with these things. And you you need to, you know, start to less thinking and more doing <laughs> once yeah. the, the time passes. Finding that key between that balance between preparation and execution is key. And that's yeah. something that you get with, with you know, with time. That's the, the only way. 100% agree. I think like there's many points of, all right, how do we best execute? Let's look at how other people are doing it. Take that from what we can learn from them, trying to create in our own sort of style. Um, and again, sometimes when we're sending out emails, to your point, they could be quite, quite pitchy. They could be talking about a company and it's not really focused on the people that we're trying to reach out to. And it is an argument that I hear on both sides of either SDRs or SDR leaders about uh, in terms of personalization. And everybody wants to send out personalized emails and they, it can be quite time consuming because you you do have to invest a bit of like research time. Okay, what's on their LinkedIn? What's on their website? What's this company up to? What's this persona up to? And then I think like um, I was listening to a John Barrow's podcast today and it says basically the higher that you go up uh, in terms of a target account, the less likelihood they're going to read like a really long email. So you need to make it succinct and to the point. Exactly. So perhaps with a C-level, it might be one or two sentences, but something really key about what their company is doing and something that could offer value to them. If I'm speaking to a VP, perhaps that's going to be like a strategic person within that business. So, hey, Hernan. Uh, here's a case study of how a company that looks like you have achieved X percent growth. Here's a case study. And then if I go lower down to the manager, the person that's actually executing the job, managing the people and processes, perhaps a longer email with a nice video or a guide on how to execute that. Uh, but like you said, once you figure out what works there, then it will become quicker to do over time. When you start a new campaign in a different country, like from Espana to the Nordics, it's going to be exactly. a different play. But again, you can kind of customize it. And like you said, it takes time. It's the same with happy selling. Like when I started this business three years ago, I didn't know if any of my message would be resonating with anyone. And it's over time that I've had to perfect it. So yeah, I'm still SDRing. And those are definitely some like we have to make mistakes in order to learn and then being able to execute and then manage our time. It, it takes time. It doesn't happen overnight, right? No, yeah, of course, Neil. And that's a pretty key thing that you just said. <clears throat> when when I was starting in my onboarding, we were also with a uh, uh, sales sales beast <laughs> uh, big shout out also i'm gonna do a lot of shout outs here neil uh to, go for it <laughs> to italo 
Italo Madalozzo, he was uh, the account executive. He was also doing the onboarding with us because he was new. And I was super scared in the onboarding. And he he told me, uh, so how are you feeling? And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I want to do, I, I want to start now. You know, I'm super hyped up, but I'm afraid that I will make so many mistakes at the beginning. And he told me, but that's the best thing, you know, go ahead mm-hmm. and make them. Yeah. Because the more mistakes you make at the beginning, the faster you will learn and the better you will you will perform. And that's something that is absolutely true. You know, uh, you have to make those mistakes. Go ahead, do them, but never, never, ever say, I'm not going to do this because it might fail. You know, yeah. go ahead, test it, try it. And you will see that the pitch, it becomes better by itself just by by getting out of there and trying it. 100%. You have to like uh, take that leap of faith and just hope that it all works out. And if you've got a good process and you've got a good support team behind you, there's no reason why that you can't make mistakes. And to his point, kind of like do fast, fail fast, and then you'll <laughs> succeed quicker, you know? And I think, that, I think that was some great advice. And as mentioned, so like you, you've been doing this role, you go into like a team lead role where you've got like five SDRs and you're kind of like coaching them to kind of go through the ranks of what you went through. Um, and then uh, obviously after Bluebirds, you bumped into this company called Miracle. Uh, mm-hmm. And then obviously that's how I find out you was connected to my old A Brendan Walsh. So Brendan, if you're listening and watching, hi again. Um, <laughs> kind of like what was, uh, what was it like joining Miracle and kind of like what's going on in your life now is like in the enterprise space, I believe. Well, joining Miracle was a really big jump for me personally. Uh, for me, uh, think about it, Neil, it was about leaving a small Spanish startup that is selling to SMBs to mm. joining a 300, 400 employee startup that is on his on its Series D uh, that is selling to enterprise people and that is French. So it was all the changes. <laughs> came Different together. new world. <laughs> exactly. But uh, it was super, super cool. So that's something that, that I also think it's good advice. You know, you uh, people have different styles of prospecting and you have different tactics and techniques. And I found myself that the techniques that I used work much better in enterprise than in SMBs. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it was all about the personalization, about being brief but super valuable. And actually, enterprise-level people really appreciate that. And and that that worked that worked much better into the enterprise space than in the SMB one. Mm. For me, I was lucky because I didn't then I didn't have that huge gap between, you know, prospecting 20 people companies <laughs> to prospecting 2,000 or 3,000 employee people companies. Yeah. So I I would say that, that it was a smooth transition. Either way, what I really appreciate is that jumping into a big company, they don't treat BDRs as, you know, the people that go there, make meetings, and that's it. They... Mm-hmm. BDRs in Miracle are a super valuable part of the organization. And I'm not saying that because I worked there, because if not, <laughs> I wouldn't mention it and I would let it, sla- I would let it pass. But yeah. I feel really valued in the company. And I also think that it's really important because if you feel empowered as a BDR, there's nothing that can stop you. <laughs> you are motivated to go out there and to hunt and to generate opportunities. 
Definitely. If you feel like a, a valued member of the team, like you're an asset to that team and you get backed by the people in that business rather than you're just a number, you actually feel more, uh, like you said, empowered and passionate about like doing this role, executing it and helping that business grow. So I think it's great that the guys at Miracle have made you feel that way. Um, and an interesting piece that you say there is, um, so historically you were like targeting into mid-market SMB, You've made the jump into enterprise. And I've seen a lot of SDRs where they've had a little bit of experience, like under a year. They then get put into the enterprise space because they've been quite successful. But what do you think is like the key differences for somebody that may be in mid-market or SMB today and they're about to go into the enterprise? What things should they take into consideration? I would say that the main key difference, Neil, is that, and I'm going to put you an example. Uh, when I was talking with meet with with C-level people in small and medium enterprises, you could get away with selling on interest, on curiosity, on, on I don't know, this is new, come and see it, or we're going to share some benchmarks and, and feedback about the market. And people were like, oh, okay, cool. You know, so I'm going to see what these guys are doing, or I'm bored, let's jump into a meeting. You know, th these things mm. happen. And it's a different way of selling because you're selling more onto the curiosity, on the interest, on on even pains. But people are like, okay, let's jump into it. Let's do it. In the enterprise space, this doesn't happen. And when mm. I'm talking with C-level from really key companies, uh, either they see value and, and they have a really good reason to go into the meeting or they won't come. Mm. On the other hand, this is also positive because when scheduling meetings with uh, small and medium-sized businesses, you could get a lot of people saying, okay, yes, uh, see you on Monday, okay, no show. Uh, look, I don't know if this is interesting. I'm going to need more information. Look, this is right now not of my priorities. And they kind of, yeah, okay, let's see. And you have to do the job. And we all have our techniques as SDRs, but Neil, you know, it, it's it's really boring to have to go pursuing people that you already did the work with. Come on. Uh, are, are you, are you sure you're going to come? <laughs> yeah. it, this is a friendly reminder to come to the meeting today uh, with enterprise. What I have seen is that when people commit is because they see a lot of value and they're super interested. So mm -hmm. there might be a lot of reschedules, but this is important for them and they're going to show up. And because just think about it. It's logical. If you're talking with a multinational company, with the chief digital transformation officer, they told you, okay, I have a spot for you 30 minutes on Monday. And he has a thousand things to do. If he has yep. committed to that spot, it's because it's super important for them. So you have that mm. sense of security and, and more calmness that, okay, if they accepted the meeting, they want to see what we're doing. Yeah. Other things are also, are also in discovery calls, you know. Uh, I'm, I made discovery calls when I was in my previous company, but right now at Miracle, I'm, I'm doing the discovery calls because it's, it's my job. It's not like an extra. I have to do them. Mm -hmm. And it's also different how many small and medium businesses, it's like, okay, let's see what you're doing. I'm here because it's interesting. Okay, convince me <laughs> that, that your product is good. In the enterprise space, it's kind of different. You know, it's like, okay, uh, we want to do this and this. How can you help us? So mm. it's not a job of, I don't know, in, I'm talking about my case. Maybe in, in, other, in other spaces are different, but it's not a case of pushing too much 
and saying, okay, what can I show you that is interesting? It's more like, okay, how can I solve the things that you're looking to solve? It's more business oriented. They know the deal. They've been in hundreds and hundreds of meetings and it's more of a, how can I help you than, okay, what is your product? What are you doing? Hmm. The other key takeaway, the other key difference, Neil, is all of this that I'm saying, it comes, uh, it comes, you know, together with the third thing that I want to mention is yeah. that, uh, with enterprise, you have a whole ecosystem behind you. Selling into enterprise is no, hmm. it's no small feat. Normally, if you're selling into enterprise, your, uh, your marketing team and your sales engineering team, if you have, are really focused into breaking into the enterprise space, you are putting a lot into enterprise, into brand recognition. You're putting a lot into events. You have a lot of different channels to go. So uh, you're talking with people that might recognize your brand and might know what you're doing. That mm. never happened to me before <laughs> while <laughs> selling to SMBs and selling a, a, a small package SaaS. So... It's not harder or easier. It's just different. I myself enjoy it, man. No, I love that. And again, I think like um, I was very blessed that when I went into my first like SaaS company working with Brendan, it was more on enterprise deals. So entry level pricing was quite high compared to what I saw with other uh, vendors. But you're right. And I think the key things I've learned when doing enterprise selling or enterprise prospecting is you've got bigger accounts. It will sometimes take longer than say like a mid-market. So perhaps mid-market campaigns you're going after, you may get a response within a week or two weeks. Sometimes it can take up to three or a couple of months to kind of get that response from the enterprise space. But equally, you've got so many more touch points. So maybe with a smaller account, you've got maybe one or two people that are in the decision-making process or the buying process. But when you're talking to an enterprise multinational company, as you say, you may be speaking to six or seven different people and you're having to coordinate individual meetings and then you're doing all that work to then try and bring them into one group meeting to see what you're doing. Um, and equally, that enterprise company may be looking at your company to see, are you enterprise grade to kind of work with us and mm -hmm. to your point, fit into the ecosystem. So for a lot of listeners that are listening in or watching uh, this recording, when we talk about the ecosystem is, okay, perhaps you've got different tools like your CRM, which then you may have a marketing system. You may have a sales engagement system. You may have a financial system. And these are probably run by big enterprise companies that uh, the company you're trying to sell to are using today. And they're going to be asking the question as to, well, how does this fit in with the rest of the machine that we've got? So there are more technical conversations that you may have to have. And being as an SDR, we don't have to know every uh, API or technical detail but I would recommend learning from, like you say, your sales engineering team is like, well, why do we need that piece and why do we have to connect to that? And how does it affect the rest of the company? Because then at that point, you're starting to look at it as a whole organization versus we're working with one department that are going to buy one solution and help us out. And to your point, it's a hell of a lot more fun. It's more thrill-seeking, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of investment that goes into it and it does take a lot of time. But when it all pays out and comes out the other end, it's a beautiful feeling. I can exactly, 100 agree. exactly, Neil. You just reminded me that <clears throat> I think that the, the big difference between SMB and enterprise is that in enterprise, it's kind of fishing. So you got a lot of nurturing. You got a lot of touch points. Uh, you have to talk with a lot of people a lot of times, and then you have to let them rest, let them think about it, and then reconnect. And finally, you will get the opportunity. While in 
SMB is more direct, more straight to the point. Uh, you can get a you can get a meeting just with one call to the right person. Mm. I would say that SMB is a great training for enterprise, uh, but I would totally recommend doing both to see both spectrums. Yeah, hundred percent agree there, dude. I think it's having that experience of what did we learn in the SMB space? How can we then apply that to enterprise and like customize it on a new approach? And that will help you become an all-rounder. So if you ever go into another sales job or you're doing different accounts, you can have two mindsets to use to help you grow into those accounts again if, uh, if, if you change role. Um, and if we, if we kind of zoom out like um, where you initially had this uh, feeling within Spain of like salespeople, they're like car salesmen, they're just all about the money and like trying to cut and like take deals, etc. And now you've been on this journey a little bit longer. Like what's the comparison of old school salesmen that people may be thinking to kind of what Hernan is doing like in sales? What's the key things that you're, you're, you're happy about? Uh, I'm super happy because uh, it's it has nothing to do with the stigma that people have. I mean, if... People that think think these things just came one day to see uh, one SaaS tech organization how salespeople behave. They, they would be their mind would blow. So <laughs> I'm I've met in sales and I'm working in sales with super 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 intelligent people, super motivated driven people, uh, people that are there to to find opportunities for clients for your business. Uh, people that are super ambitious, so super workers. I, I would even say, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes I I see some some salespeople in SaaS, and I'm like, dude, how, you know? <laughs> and yeah. this is no wonder because there are a lot of sales itself, and more in the tech industry teaches you a lot of things that you can then apply to other jobs. Uh, they teach you how to be proactive, how to be motivated, how to be positive. You have to think a lot. Uh, you have to listen a lot. And these are super good qualities that that transfer easily to another job. So for me, a salesperson is not a sleazy man or, or woman who is always talking, moving their hands and trying to trick people. It's a person who is super intelligent, invests a lot, a lot of time into research listens and helps people that's super cool i think you can proudly hold the hand up for for the sales flag there dude that's yeah. i love that uh, and like with uh obviously i'm interested in that because like your partner said she like she was going into digital marketing and you mm -hmm. kind of followed that route for a bit is she still in the digital marketing world and kind of you're on the other side in sales like or like that what what's her views of her nan like working the way he is today that's funny, man, because she's she's actually working in digital marketing, but right mm. now as an account manager. So she's doing half marketing, half sales. She oh. hates sales. She hates <laughs> it with all the passion. Why is that? Uh, because she doesn't like to to call people or talk to people or make relationships with people. I, I mean, that's completely fine. There are people that don't like that. Don't go into sales if you don't like that because it's the basis of, of your job. Uh, but she actually really likes the, the job that I'm doing uh, because mm. marketing and sales have a lot of things in common where we can always discuss. I I always ask her for help in some, something. She always asks me for helping some others. And she's going to continue her career in digital marketing, no sales <laughs> for now. 
<laughs> and I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna keep my career into sales and no marketing, but mm. it's super cool to, to be able to have the, those sides of the coin, you know? Yeah, definitely. And you can bounce off each other ideas. Exactly. And I think the thing we always have to be careful is like bringing work home. But again, if you're passionate about it and you guys can actually talk about those subjects and help each other, I think that's a beautiful thing. Um, and as we're coming like towards the end of, of this episode, if you were to, uh, give advice to a younger version of yourself from a couple of years back who's just about to embark on this journey into the world of sales development. What three uh, bits of advice would you give them, Harunan? So the three pieces of advice I would give is the first one, I'll always be proactive. You know, don't wait for things to happen. Go out there and make them happen. Not only in your job, but also on your on your real day-to-day life. Uh, you know, when you're walking to the street, be proactive. You know, I was a shy person. I had fear to make a phone call to someone or even, uh, Neil, I'm going to tell you, if when I was younger, I was shy and nervous and afraid to go into a gym and, and asking to the people there how to, you know, how to roll into the gym. And I mean, mm. dude, these these people earn money for you to ask them. Why are you nervous? You know, <laughs> uh, but sales taught me that things will go much much better for you if you're proactive. You know, uh, mm. don't be shy. You're not gonna be stupid or something. <laughs> yeah. Go out there and do it. Uh, be yeah. proactive because the world is made for people who make things happen. You have to go there and don't don't be afraid. Love it. So being proactive, it's taught you to give you that little bit more confidence. What other exactly. tips would you give? The other tip that I would say is never surrender. And please don't take this word by word. So don't go to your next prospect and start making 30 calls in, in 10 minutes. What I yeah. mean by never surrender is an SDR. For me, a good SDR will know by itself when it's the time to push and to leave it rest for a little while, but never yeah. surrender on anything. You know, uh, if you think that you can do something and things are not working quite well at the beginning, keep doing it because it's going to become better and never surrender. If you think that in five years, uh, I don't know, you can be in a big company making lots of, lots of money, work on it, work on things that will enable you to be there and never surrender. Don't leave it behind because uh, if you work hard, you can do it, you know? And I think I'm the prime example. I'm working as a sales development representative, prospecting on cold calling and cold emailing C-level people. And three years ago, I was afraid to go into the cafeteria and ask for a croissant. So uh, <laughs> n- never surrender. That's the, the second takeaway. As a funny story nail, just 10 second piece of advice. A big yep. shout out also to my former manager, Mark Gasso, when I was about to drop an opportunity and say, we have nothing to do with them. They rejected me so hard. And he told me, just wait and see. He worked an email, super easy email, uh, just, just asking for the meeting again. Mm. And miraculously, the, the guy told us, hey, you know what? Okay, let's do it. So I was like, how? How did you do it? Because he never surrendered. Magic voodoo. 
Magic Voodoo, <laughs> no, he tried one more time. He, yeah. he, he didn't want to, you know, surrender and say, okay, we're not going to do business with them. He kept doing it and, yeah. and he finally got it. So that's my second piece of advice. And my third piece of advice is read, read, listen, uh, talk, speak, <laughs> all the verbs that you can imagine, Neil, invest <laughs> in, your, in your own personal training, okay? Uh, so I want to recommend you uh, to you guys some books and, and videos and podcasts that, that really enabled me to, to be good at Please prospecting. Uh, I would like to recommend the classic book, Fanatical Prospecting. Uh, I know you you know it. <laughs> I know you like it. I don't, I'll, I'll be totally honest, and I'm going to be totally honest on the show as well. It's a book that's been mentioned by many SDRs that have come on here. Uh, I think Eric Beer was the first one from uh, Chili Piper. It's not a book that I've read. I'm not really a reader per se. Um, if something catches my eye, I'll start reading it. I watch more than I read. Um, but it's the third time it's been mentioned, so three is a charm. So I think yeah. I'm going to have to go pick it up and have a listen to it. But what, what is it about that book that made it so exactly. fanatical for and, you? And I'm going to give you a little bit of extra advice that maybe the other SDRs didn't talk about. Uh, what I Okay, Fanatical Prospecting, uh, I'm going to start selling it to you. It's a book that is about prospecting, of course, and yeah. why prospecting is important and why it's a little bit of strength. Yeah, blind guys, it's a little bit. If you don't prospect, you will starve. So, mm. yeah, kind of extreme. So you have to take the learnings with a grain of salt. Uh, the book talks a lot about how to write emails, how to cold call, how to do openings. And for me, this these things will not uh, make your career. You know, you're not going to get magic tricks out of there. It will give you great insight, great tips on how to approach yeah. your prospecting, but uh, it's not it's, it's not going to solve your life. Even some of the of the tips you will see are outdated and are a little bit too extreme for me. But what is mm. really really important in this book is that it will get you in the mood of prospecting and in the mood of picking up the call and not picking up the phone and not having fear when you make a cold call. And the fact that this book can enable you to be motivated to do the mm. activity is what will make you perform better in the end. So that's kind of a magic twist, you know, because mm. yourself, you yourself will make yourself better and the book mm. will enable you to do that. At least that's what, what it did with me. Perfect, dude. I think um, I will have to commit to having a read through the book because a lot of people are, are mentioning it. Um, and that's kind of like another point because a lot of things that are written or put down on paper, maybe a couple of months ago, it like you said, it might be outdated or it might not be the way that you want to do something. But I think there's generally something you can always learn from that. Take it, make it your own style or even to exactly. like even up to up to update it as well. Um, but yeah, that's a lot of gold sales knowledge that you've shared on here for today, Hernan, and I've, I've really enjoyed it. And I do definitely want to get you back on as a guest in the future, because I'd love to see not only just here, uh, kind of how things are going to miracle and kind of what's going on in the enterprise space for you in the world of sales development. Um, we've done a few, but just to kind of round it off, who, who would you like to give a shout out to Hernan? I would like to give a shout out to... I would like to give a shout out to my colleague Sepp in Bluebirds for being the main competitor of, of my SDR journey in Bluebirds. We were always going hand in hand and for being one of the better SDRs I have ever met. Yeah. 
shout out to my family for giving me support, for my girlfriend for enabling me to get into sales. <laughs> and of course, for both my current managers and my former manager that I had the luck of, instead of having like a naggy manager, having people that enable me to be the best version of myself. And I really appreciate that. So Stefan, uh, Jean-Marie and Mark, you're the bosses, man. Thank you so much. Hashtag sales love. Absolutely love it as well. And for the listeners that I can hear you and can see you today, um, what's the best way to get in contact with Hernan if somebody wanted to ask you a question about, you know, uh, SDRing, doing account-based selling? Like, what's the best way to get in contact with you, dude? Uh, I would recommend everyone to please, please add me on LinkedIn and message me. Uh, sometimes I'm a little bit busy so i don't reply like instantly but normally i reply instantly so anything any questions that you have about anything uh and i mean anything related to sales prospecting uh life in spain uh wildlife (laughs) (laughs) Uh, please add me on linkedin send me a message i would be super glad to have a chat with you guys Perfect. Thank you. And what I'll make sure is that within the show notes for this episode, we'll have a link to your LinkedIn profile. So if you want to connect and get in touch with Hernan, ask any questions or even know about life in Spain, if you're thinking about immigrating, no uh, because where are we now? We're in, we're in December 2020, just uh, FYI. So again, this is probably going to go out a bit next year. So the climate might have changed, things might be better, and there may be some jobs out in Spain that uh, Hernan is hiring for. You never know. You but never Hernan, know. I... You never know. You never know. Um, so I really want to say thank you so much for being one of the first guests on the SDR Disco Called podcast, the video version as well. Um, we'll be having this going out onto our YouTube channel. Make sure that you follow at happyselling.io. Uh, but Hernan, uh, if I don't speak to you before then, because we are in December, I want to wish you a very Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year to your friends and your family, and most importantly, happy selling, my man. Thank you so much, Neil. It was, this was super great. Uh, I think this is going to be the whole podcast is going to be super useful for SDRs out there and I'm super glad to have had the honor of being here to you and to everybody who's out there Merry Christmas and happy selling Thank you for listening to the SDR Disco Call podcast today. We would like to get this message out to more and more sales development reps, so please like, comment, and share in your local podcast provider. If you don't want to miss a show, you can always send a blank email to SDR Disco Call, one word, at bcast, which is B-C-A-S-T dot email, and you'll be added to our mailing list. We're also on the lookout for new guests, so if you work in the world of sales development as an SDR, BDR, MDR, or ADR, and feel that you have an important message or story to share, feel free to email us at podcast at happyselling.io, and we'd love to have you on board.